Some time ago, I'm not entirely sure when, my get up and go got up and went. I'm really, really tired. I fell asleep on the couch most nights, getting up sometime during the night to take myself to bed. All the balls that I've been juggling for many years have started falling down around me at a quicker pace than usual and definitely quicker than I can pick them up. Was this depression or was it just exhaustion? Was it 13 years of working in massive hours in more than one job usually? Was it navigating a marriage breakdown? Was it seven years of single parenting two beautiful children? Was it dealing with a chronic disease? Was it my ever-increasing awareness that I am just the wrong kind of woman in the eyes of the patriarchal profession that I chose? Maybe it's the many stories of trauma and loss that my patients have shared with me. Or maybe it was my own grief from losses that seem so unjust and losses on the horizon that are too heavy to bear. Why is there a beck-shaped indent on my couch? Why was the work that I loved suddenly drowning me? Maybe it's burnout. I'm Beck Lettingham, rural generalist, single mum, amateur podcaster, virtual choir director and founder of Medical Mums. And I think I'm burnt out. And I don't think I'm alone. I've set out to have a chat to some others who've been through burnout, find out what it looked like for them and find out what they did about it. And along the way, I found the most amazing people who've really shared their time and stories with us and I really think it's worth listening and I hope that you hear something that might help you make changes in your life hopefully to avoid getting burnt out if you're burning out at the moment Um, or maybe if you are in the trenches with us help you to turn things around because as you'll hear from some of these stories life after burnout is a wonderful thing and um, and people can achieve that so welcome to this mini-series of Medical Mums Chat about burnout. Um, and in this episode one, we're talking to Dr. Danelle Ward, an obstetrician gynaecologist from WA, and Dr. Penny Alexander, a dermatologist from Sydney. I thank them very much for their time and sharing their stories with us, and I hope you enjoy them. If you think this is you, please get help. I'll put a list of resources in the show notes that you can refer to. Or reach out to someone. Thanks for listening. Yes, excellent. But we need change. So um, I, when I saw you, um, th- this came up on the medical mums. Um, uh, I was like, I want to be involved in this because the system needs to change. It's wrong. It's not working. We are all broken. Um, the change needs to come from lots of different angles. So I'm really happy to be involved. So my name's Danelle and I live down, uh, I'm in Perth in Mandra actually, I live in Mandra. I am a, um, a six-year now consultant in obstetrics and gynaecology. If we go right back to the beginning, I was um, a postgrad student and um so I was trying really hard to fit into medical school as a postgrad. And I think if you look right back, even as in high school, when you're trying really hard to get into medical school, that's when it all starts. Like that's when it starts the drive to want to be 
a doctor and then want to do really well. And um, I think we, we all have this kind of type A personality in um, in within us as as doctors, and um, that needs to be fostered throughout our training. But I've gone off track already because I'm so excited about talking about burnout. So I um, now seven months since being burnt out <laughs> um, and I fell in a big hole in December 2020. Um, at that time it was um, quite quite confronting that I couldn't work all the hours that I had trained so hard to be able to work, that I couldn't do both obstetrics and gynaecology to the absolute best of my ability every hour of every day um, and so when I stopped uh, it it really came crashing down hard um, so I try to talk about it to as many people who listen to me <laughs> about how important it is that we um, have mental health help and the most important word to learn is no because we are such yes people, we are such yes people. Um, try, trying to meet our own expectations, trying to meet the expectations of our patients, um, and we learn about how to drive to try to achieve from um, university, from medical school, from junior doctor training, from. Um, medical admin saying, no, you can't take leave uh, from uh, pressure that we won't pass our assessments if we don't keep working really hard and saying yes and doing being more. And it's not sustainable. It's just, it's not sustainable. My, one of the things that I have struggled with, which I imagine is even more a struggle for people who stay in obstetrics, is that when things started feeling too hard for me, I was thinking back to my obstetrics residence term going, but why is this hard? Because I did all those 14-hour shifts, you know. Yes. I did all that mental and so this should be easy because yeah. I've done worse than this. And yeah. so you kind of benchmark your absolute worst and then you think you should be able to survive anything less than that. Yeah. And do it year after year after year after year. Yeah. And you just yeah. can't. You can't. You can't. Let, and I, so I felt the same way. I thought, you know, with the, you know, you pull seventy-two hour shifts and you don't sleep and you um and working um you know in any any field in, in medicine, but particularly if you're in uh, things like obstetrics or emergency where it's really high pressure things for extended periods of time. Um, you think, yeah, I can do this and I can keep doing it and I'm trained to do this, but you, yeah, there, there's, I think everybody's got a limit. Um, uh, and I felt really frightened in December when I was confronted with, I either stop, I either stop myself completely, like I check out, I stop medicine altogether or I drop obstetrics. And um, so I chose to stop obstetrics because I'm the um, primary breadwinner for my family um, and I had to keep doing some kind of work. Um, and so I stopped obstetrics. And it, uh, not completely, I still do one in six weekends on call, um, but it left my local area without a specialist obstetrician. 
who lives in the lives in the area. Um, and so that was a big call as well, because leading up to it, how do you decide to say no? Um, leaves uh, We know it leaves a big hole in our patients' lives and our community's mm. lives, but um, my family matter more. Mm. And tell me, what did burnout look like for you? Because it is different for everyone. What kind of so, things did you notice? Um, I think I hit it really well for a long time. Um, I, first of all, I thought it might've been postnatal depression and kind of buried that in just working harder. So I thought, well, this is really scary. I don't want to have postnatal depression. I'm just going to keep working harder. So I went back to work when my son was three months old. So I didn't have to think about my mental health. Um, it wasn't, I didn't, I didn't have postnatal depression. Um, I... Mm-hmm really noticed it when we had our first lockdown and I think that's really coming quite prominent the more I speak to people when they realized actually when the world stopped when our world stopped you realized you can actually make the world stop (laughs) and get off and it feels really good so that that was my first kind of like oh hang a minute um the world can stop I can stop doing what I'm doing and um it hasn't fallen apart um then I realized I was kind of always looking for the next thing to get me through and when you're training you know your rotations are like every three to six months you're changing jobs you're changing jobs you're changing jobs um and you just roll with it but when as a consultant when I was doing the same job um year after year after year and the change wasn't coming, I, I started to feel like, oh, am I in a rut? Like, this is a bit funny feeling. I'm not having this new, exciting new term every three to six months. Um, and then, so once the end of 2020 came around and I was looking at that stage, I was looking to try and get a colleague to come and help work with me because I was too tired to keep doing what the work I was doing. I suddenly realised that I was completely spent and what all the little goals that I was looking towards, like waiting for her to come and join the team and um, waiting for the next um, uh, holiday wasn't enough. And she, she called me and she said, I can hear that you're not all right. And actually having another colleague point that out to me was really profound that we tend to just go, oh, yeah, I'm okay, or, oh, yeah, we all work so hard. But someone actually stopping going, you are not okay, um, made me think about it. And then I became really aware that I, I was starting to lose my empathy. And that happened quickly over the space of um, then uh, three days later, I put in my resignation. Like as soon as that, as soon as I realised that this is not okay, that my patients were then going to suffer for it, that was the end. So I let my family suffer for years. I let myself suffer for years. Um, but as soon as I became aware that my patients were going to suffer, then I, um, I, I drew a line in the sand and I, um, uh, and I stopped. I, I stopped doing obstetrics. So when I look back now, I'm. Uh, really ashamed that I made my family 
the last priority. <laughs> and when I know so many families that are breaking down, doctors' families are breaking down, and how hard that we know our spouses stand by us and how hard um, we work to achieve our training, that we don't um, put ourselves in them first. Because we're not taught that. We're taught to be doctors and to be altruistic and um, you must do that extra shift. And I think even as juniors doctors fighting with medical admin saying, um, I need this leave, and them saying, well, you can't have leave. You just can't. And that's it starts from that early that we put ourselves right down the bottom of the line. And what did you do? How, what have you done to kind of treat your burnout apart from, apart from freeing up your time? What else has been helpful? Oh, this is exciting. This is the exciting part is that life on the other side is amazing. <laughs> um, so I have every Thursday off, which is like phenomenal. I have a day off and I'm not allowed to work on that day. So I do sometimes sneak in a little bit urgent admin, but that is like very frowned upon and my family support me to make sure that I don't do um, uh, anything on a Thursday. And I get to do things like go to the hairdresser, have a pedicure, walk on the beach. I read books. I'm painting. I have loved listening to podcasts. I binged, listened to like, amazing amount of podcasts um and I feel like a normal person most of person importantly I've been seeing a psychologist and I saw her um a couple of weeks ago and I had written a um, a bit of reflection of how I think I came to this place of burnout and how I think I'm getting through it um and uh she said to me Danelle Welcome to the human race. You are now a normal person who does normal things, things that I hadn't done for years because every hour was taken up with either trying to be the best mum or the best doctor and not allowing any time for myself. So it feels really nice. Like I'm feeling like a real person and I can give so much more to my family and um, and I'm a far better um, practitioner and talking to, uh, obviously as a gynecologist, talking to my female patients all the time about looking after themselves and putting themselves first. And I think I set a good role model for taking leave and being kind to myself and I set a good role model for my, my children and for other family members and other people I know that it is okay to step back and say no and put yourself first and the world still keeps moving around you. It doesn't stop, which is good. <laughs> so if anyone's listening to these podcasts and going, oh, my goodness, that is me. That's me. I'm a little bit burnt out, a, a moderate amount burnt out, or I'm properly burnt out, which I think there'll be a spectrum. What should they do? What do you think they should do? Number one um, is make sure you're getting enough sleep. Um, number two is have a hobby outside of medicine. Number three is if, uh, if you can all financially afford to, reduce your hours. I think they're, they would probably be my top three 
tips. I don't have the answers and everybody's life's different. But I think just starting to talk about it is really is the first step. So one of the things that I've been passionately telling my juniors um, lately is I feel I can say this because I'm no longer in my prime, <laughs> that they should not let medicine steal the best years of their lives. You know, I'm like, just don't do it. Just do what you want to do. Don't let anyone say that you must X, Y, Z because there are no musts. There are no shoulds. There's a whole different, there's a whole bunch of ways of choosing your path. And it's okay not to join a training program, you know, in PGY3 or PGY4. In fact, many interesting, fantastic doctors didn't. Um, So there's so many shoulds in medicine and the shoulds can really, you know, take something from you, I think, if you listen to them all and believe them all. I think there is something to be said for forging your own path. And they're all, these guys are all in the tsunami of medical students and so they've got that added pressure of um, being told that it's not the same as it once was. But I think I'm not going to be without a job, you know. You'll be right. You, You can take some time and you can do what you need to do. There's no absolutely yeah I think I, th- I think you're absolutely correct that you, there is this pressure when you're going through training or trying to get onto training I think trying to get on training that that stress is um uh probably feels even worse because once you're on training you're like well I'm here but I don't get kicked off yeah. but getting onto training can be hard but it is not the be all and end all and um everybody finds their place yeah. and um, if we change the system and make sure that people don't work as hard and as long as hours of what they are doing at the moment, then there'll, there'll be, be more space jobs. for everybody. Exactly. <laughs> there'll be more jobs. We could all job share. And how wonderful would that be if we could all job share yeah. <laughs> so that we're not working crazy hours? Um, that there is always a place for everyone and medicine is so diverse that um, that we if I look back at what I did to try and get onto training and and the workload I did to try and stay on training I went above and beyond what I had to do did that make me a better doctor um maybe did that make me a better person no Mm. and I think being a, a human first and um being a human first in definitely in the long run makes us makes us better doctors and I think the maths I think throw that out you know but I'll be I'll be 46 when I it doesn't matter you're going to be 46 anyway the 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 earth keeps going around the sun and those years will keep passing whether or not you're a consultant or a senior reg or whatever or whether your mortgage is 20% paid off or 30% paid off you know those that maths it doesn't really belong in the humanity of your life I don't think Um, I, when I was doing my obstetrics in Perth, two things happened that I'll never forget. Um, One was I applied for leave. I hadn't had leave for a year and they just sent me my leave form back in the paper days with a stamp that said declined on it and I got that out of my mailbox and I rang them and I said, I have to have leave. I haven't had leave for a year. I just have to. This was August and they said, you can take leave on November the 11th. And I said, I was crying. It was after a night shift saying, I can't wait that long. I can't wait till November to have leave, you know. And I'm, I can't remember the outcome of that, except that I had to take the leave that they had said I could. You know, there's one gap here in months' time. 
and I had a little bomb of a car and we'd had a family car because our car had broken down because we were always up against it. We'd bought a Tarago, which had it was our first ever car with airbags. And I said, I'm going to have to start driving the Tarago for work, to work for when I have my car accident. Not, not for just in case I have a car accident because I was coming home on the freeway after a night shift and I'd have to go really slowly over the Narrows Bridge. I was at Aussie Park. I'd go really slowly in the peak hour traffic and then I'd start going 100 and I could never stay in the lane when I was going 100 because I was so tired that I was veering all over the road. And I said to my then husband, I'm, I'm going to drive the Tarago from now on on night shifts for when I have my car accident so that I will be okay. Yeah, and, and not if it was yeah. winning because you could, oh, that's heartbreaking. And I just think even though that ended and I came to Broome and I started GP training, that scar is still there that I got to that point. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's the thing about going, well, this should be easy because I've done worse than this, is that the worse than this took something away from you as well, you know, and you're kind yeah. of limping by the time you realise that you need to take something back. Yeah. Oh, that's such a sad story. Well, hopefully if I had a junior like that now, I would spot it. Do you know? It was yes, it wasn't yes. it wasn't really the thing to talk about those things, but you know, you just had to rock up and do your job. I guess we all, all need to be more invested in making sure our junior doctors are uh, are being heard mm. and being looked after. Yeah, I think so. And I'm sure with more awareness and more people like yourself talking about it. It's got to get better, you know, even if it's incremental. It might be yeah. an evolution rather than a revolution. Thanks so much for talking to me. Yeah, well, thanks, Beck. You're a star. So Look after you. yourself. Yeah, you too. <laughs> Cheers. Bye. Bye. So I'm Penny Alexander. I'm a dermatologist in Sydney. And what are your experiences with burnout? So I was a third year dermatology registrar um, towards the end of the third year and, um, you know, everything had been easy for me to date. Um, you know, I was, I mean, you know, essentially got where I needed to be, um, you know, with, with hard work, obviously, but nothing was, was particularly difficult and suddenly just everything became somewhat difficult, you know. Um, I certainly wasn't depressed by any means. I could still enjoy lots of things, but just you know getting up going to work getting the job done everything was suddenly a drag compared to being easy I suppose mm -hmm. and what happened next for you when that happened so being at the end of the year I thought well I could have a year off I'd always sort of thought maybe I'll have a year off at some point in time and I hadn't got around to it yet um or go part-time and I thought oh, you know I couldn't actually really think of anything I wanted to do in my year off and I had a dog so I thought maybe you know I can really travel so I thought maybe I'll just go part-time instead um we which worked out really well. Yep. So I did. I went time for, for the fourth year of training. And did you see anyone or get any help with that or was it just all kind of, uh, did you just internally decide that things needed to change? Yeah, no, just internally decided. No, I didn't see anyone yeah. um, at all. As I say, you know, if I thought that I was depressed, I would have seen someone, but there was certainly no signs of that. It was just purely burnout. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, so. I, I think that the, the, the difference between depression and burnout is probably really important because yeah. I have scanned myself several times going, well, I don't think it's depression. 
Do you know, yeah. like I'm looking forward to X, Y, Z. And yeah. if I go and do something that I like, I can just be my normal self. But yeah, yeah. In, in other ways it looks like depression because getting out of bed is hard and I fall asleep all the time yeah. and, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, totally. Yeah. My, my main um my main issue, I suppose, with the burnout, apart from the, the hard part, was memory loss. Like I had really, like I struggled to remember things that I knew that I knew. Yeah. Um, that was my main main um, issue with it. But um. But yeah, there's no, oh, sorry, the door slam. No other, um, you know, no other signs of depression or anything like that. So you know, I was doing memory tests to see if I had like dementia or Alzheimer's or something like that. But <laughs> and, it just, no. and how long did it take for it to be better when you went part time? Six months, I'd say, or maybe five or six months, something along those lines. Um, and you know, it, I was doing week on, week off. So I just uh, and I was studying for the exams and things like that, being being fun year. So. Um, I just worked normal, you know, normal uh, normal week, and then I sort of did very relaxed study in the other week off, and you know, caught up with friends, did lots of exercise and stuff. So it was a really leisurely way of doing it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was you know by halfway through that year, I was totally fine, and then I just had a really nice time the rest of the rest of the year. Uh, and what do you, what do you work part. now? So now I'm a dermatologist. I work three days a week with two little kids, yeah. um, which is perfect. Yeah. So and, um, I mean, I'm free, free private practices in Sydney. And how, what's, do you have any advice for anyone who thinks they might be burnt out or really doesn't want to get to that stage? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to do something early rather than late and waiting until it gets bad, I suppose. Um, but, you know, I can really recommend part-time. <laughs> it was great. You know, the, the college thankfully um, allowed it. They've been a bit funny about it um, in fourth years ever since, which I think is silly, like they really should encouraging rather than discouraging it um and the bosses you know people don't understand at the start they think you're either sick or lazy I think to be Mm -hmm. honest um (laughs) but I eventually got over it um but yeah in terms of advice I would say people you know even if people don't understand it then I would still you know make whatever changes you need to make it better for yourself because you know it makes the world difference and you know then by half a period of the year everything was easy again and I you know went through exams there was no no issues <laughs> so you know I haven't that was like seven years ago or something now and I haven't you know it hasn't recurred and you haven't seen little signs that you think something's got to change or you've just no yeah no not at all oh fabulous it's nice to hear success stories as well because um yeah I don't think that the culture of medicine is designed for us to uh change things in that way but I think we have to push against it yeah and- yeah definitely um and, you know, I think the colleges need to be more aware of burnout as a reason for changing, uh, either taking time off or going part-time and things like that. And it's not, you know, it's not a bad thing. It's not that people are lazy and, um, you know, I was more than happy to organise the, the job sharing issue myself and, you know, it was no extra work for them. So, you know, they should be encouraging of it, yep. I think, personally. Excellent. Thanks so much for talking to us at Medical Mums Chat about burnout. <laughs> Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> Lovely to talk to you.